God. Praise God. Good morning, Surf City Church. I am thankful to be able to share a bit this morning about a very difficult time in my life that went for several months, almost a year and a half. I was in a, I was in between jobs, and I was in a low-paying job at the time, and uh, even though I had my continuing expenses, my bills, my credit cards, and everything else like that, but I figured I'll write some resumes, do some interviews, I'll find a job, no problem. But unfortunately, this happened, this went on for like several months, and over time, obviously, I, I kept sinking deeper and deeper in death, and also, uh, the stress was coming on. So I figure my strategy would be, okay, I'm going to find a job. I'm going to find a second part-time job. I'm going to work hard, sleep less, eat less, and give more, pray harder. And that was my strategy. Um, this went on for a year and a half, but I kept having the faith that someday, and actually after a year and a half, God blessed me with a, with a job in the career I'm still in today. So I'm thankful for that. I praise God for that. But just when I thought that was the worst of it all, I wake up one morning and... When I closed my eyes, this, the left eye closed, but the right eye wouldn't close. So I was kind of winking at myself. So I tried again, and I find that I could close the left eye, but the right eye wasn't closing. And then when I smiled or spoke, the left side of my face was working, but the right side wasn't working. So I thought, okay, maybe I ate something the night before, and I have an allergic reaction. So I called the doctor, went to the doctor, and he said right away, you have Bell's palsy. I was like, I've never heard of Bell's palsy. I've heard of palsy in the Bible, but I've never heard of Bell's palsy. So he said, okay, we have to get you to a specialist right away. So I got the specialist the same day, an hour later, and the specialist was a neurologist. And he said to me, yes, you have Bell's palsy. The nerves in the right side of your face are shot. They're gone. He says, this happens in, in two situations. Either you're a truck driver. I said, well, I'm not a truck driver. Or you've gone through some major trauma, like maybe someone died in your family. Maybe someone left the city or someone close to you. And I said, no. Everything is fine in my life. I must work a little harder. I didn't realize that there was a connection between my stress and what had happened to me. And so I listened to him and he said, here's the thing. When you have Bell's palsy and it's, a, it's just minor, it's just, it's not as severe, in two or three weeks it's gone. But in your case, you have it extremely severe, so you will have this for the rest of your life. Half your face will be normal, the other half will be kind of scary looking. And so... I, went, I left his office thinking to myself, well, I always hear in church, uh, the doctors may say that there's no hope. And he said there's no cure for it. Just, just be healthy, be good. But then I heard in church, if, you, if the doctors say no, Jesus will say yes. And, and we used to sing a song back then. It said, uh, whose report will you believe? And the response was, we will believe the report of the Lord. And then another song says, and who has the final say? We would sing, Jehovah has a final say. And so I went with that knowing that my condition was not my conclusion. And so even though I was going through the situation, whatever it was, I trusted in God. I trusted in Him. And would you know it, that five months later, well, I, I, I had a church pray for me. I prayed. I, I gave. I did everything I possibly could. I even had uh, multivitamins, whatever I could, because there was really no cure. So I figured I might as well do everything I could. And nothing happened for five months. But I tried not to remember what the doctor said, that I will remain like this and try to focus on what God said. So I read the scriptures and I read different verses. And would you know, after about the sixth month, I felt a tingling in the right side. 
and God healed me completely as you see today. But there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Ooh, there's more. So, so today, praise the Lord. So today, even now, after all these years, if you know me as a friend or a family member, whoever, or from work or whatever, if I'm yawning or eating or singing too loud or whatever, a tear flows down the right side. So I'm completely healed, but there is that sign that reminds me that God is good, and if I trust in Him, He will heal me. He will bring me through. And sometimes people will see me crying and say, Hey, you're crying. Or here, there's a tear stain there, and it gets me, gives me a chance to share one and one this is the first time I'm sharing it in a group, but it's always one and one So I thank God for my healing. I thank God for that. And so through in the, throughout that time, the one verse I wanted, there were many verses, but one verse I want to leave with you, one verse that really stood out throughout that time, taken from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And it says this, Be anxious for nothing, or worry about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And I heard someone paraphrase this and they said, worry about nothing, pray about everything and give thanks for anything. And so I love that I kept that and I want to encourage you in that way. But if you read on to the verse just below it, it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, this is what happens, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it surpasses our comprehension, will keep your heart and mind, emotional, mental health, emotional, mental health. The peace of God does that to you. Isn't it amazing we have the peace of God with us? And so if I can leave this with you, just encourage you, whatever you're going through, whether it's a situation in your life, your condition is not your conclusion. Whether it's family, relationships, job, employment, health, whatever it is, God will see you through. So trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Praise the Lord. to join in and applaud you for that. We love you and that's amazing. Oh, okay, I am so overwhelmingly blessed to be a part of this ministry and to be able to serve in this house. Um, although I was nervous, I'm so glad that Pastors Andrew and Pastor Chantal asked me to do this. Personally, I'm kind of introverted and shy at times. And yet I'm assertive and very involved, but I am those things because I care deeply. I'm an artist and I'm used to being busy, like stupid busy. So when the Panamania, as I call it, hit, uh, it, it stopped me dead in my tracks. I was busy flying back and forth across the country and one of the shows I do, and we knew that something was coming, but we didn't know that it was going to be so, we couldn't have predicted that it would be so intense and so sustained, yeah. right? So mentally and emotionally, the lockdowns hit me pretty hard. The isolation, the lack of stimulus was painful, not to mention the lack of income. <laughs> I realized that I've walked through a lot of my life feeling overlooked and undervalued at many points, 
personally in relationships and professionally. My insecurities have been crippling at times. And harder yet is admitting that sometimes I didn't even fully show up or think I was worth it. So I can't blame others for that part. So it plays like a hamster wheel in my mind at times. Um, the cyclical effects of that thought process are not good. I had entirely too much time to sit at home um, with my thoughts, my doubts, my fears, questioning, uh, should I be doing something else, and then wondering what else could I do. So much of my identity was and is tied to being an artist. Thank you. <laughs> I got extra, see? <laughs> All the love in this house. <laughs> So I'll fast forward to about spring of 2021, early spring, when I was first asked if I wanted to be a deacon in this house. I was scared. But um, God quickly showed me that I was simply adding a title to what I was already doing here. It, it counteracted the imposter syndrome that wanted to creep in. And it simply allowed me to operate officially in areas where I had already invested my heart. See, despite my own struggles, I have been compelled to serve since I got here. I wanted to be involved and, helped and help build this. Through my tears, I came early, I stayed late. I just needed to be plugged in. Sometimes I wonder why God made me this way. Why do I want to pursue deep connection with others to make myself available, to give encouragement or to be a confidant? This ministry has been an absolute lifeline. I say that not to imply that I place it as an institution above God, but to say that the church is an institution from God. He has gifted it to us. We are specifically told not to forsake meeting together and that a cord of three strands is not easily broken, as Ecclesiastes 4.12 says. It is clear throughout scripture that we were designed to be in community with one another so that we can build up and encourage one another. So that we can, as the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, stir, one, stir up one another to love and good deeds or works. This gospel community in particular, yes, the church at large, but this gospel community has been a godsend. If you're listening to this, then you know who you are. During the lockdowns, when I didn't have the motivation to do anything physical, FaceTime workouts got me through until I built up the discipline and the momentum to continue on my own. We had permission to come here and broadcast the service as any news outlet would. So being a part of our creative arts department allowed me to have some place to go and see some other faces in person. Pardon me. Since I definitely wasn't seeing any family 
uh, having a roommate that's a close friend and a believer was and still is extra special. At the start of all this, we would also have a virtual team huddle on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook Live before service started. I'm sure that some of you remember that. Like way back at the beginning, we actually had like, you could tune in on YouTube and Facebook. And we would have a huddle and a different person lead it before and just being able to pray together and encourage one another meant a lot. So, I've received gas cards had money slipped into my pockets and had e-transfers sent my way without asking because someone noticed and was intentional or because God put it on their heart to do so. <laughs> I can only say woe is me for a moment, maybe for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Not because everything is magically fixed, but because of a perspective shift. I have been so blessed. I can never repay all that God has given me. Being here and serving and having the opportunity to hear testimonies from others, to offer a word of encouragement or pray with others, to speak with someone about deep doctrinal or the theological things and see the cloud of uncertainty lift from their hearts and their minds... It's a privilege. When I speak with someone regarding baptism or walk with them through our Next Steps course and hear people share their hearts, I am encouraged. It takes courage and vulnerability for someone to share their story. It takes courage and vulnerability for someone to just show up. So I might feel like my heart is breaking at times, but this is why I cannot forget my why. 2 Corinthians 1 expresses this confounding and beautiful concept so well. You can turn in your Bibles or write this down. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Verse 6 and 7 says, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Uh, you can continue on your own, uh, verses 8 and 9, where Paul continues expanding on this. But uh, there are a few things I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether or not I'll have a family of my own or land a dream role, but I know who's in control. And more importantly, I no longer question my purpose. City. Okay. So first, I just want to say, me being up here and speaking is a testimony in itself, because I don't public speak, okay? <laughs> um, but when the good Lord calls on you, you have to answer. So I am here. When I got the call, I was like, can David do it? 
I can't speak. He speaks for me. He's my mouth. Um, he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, I'm asking you. I'm like, oh, let me think about this. Let me give me a night. Pastor Chantel, she had posted maybe like a week after or before uh, the Viola Davis and Oprah interview. And I was like, oh, let me take a peek. I go in. Oh, my gosh, did it bless my life. Because I didn't realize I was broken, and I didn't realize I had childhood trauma. Because you just go through it. She said something that turned my whole life around that day. She was like, oh, the therapist told me I survived. And then I was like, survived? I survived. I did it. And I didn't take a second to stop running to breathe it in and say that I actually did survive. When I was young, I heard a passage, John 20, 29. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. That sat so well in my spirit because I knew I believed. I knew I loved God. I knew I loved Jesus. And I knew that if I kept my mind on them, that he would stay close. So I'm Guyanese, and I grew up in a very complicated home. <laughs> Woo -woo! Um, I grew up with tough, 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 tough love. They would say things to me like to protect me, but would hurt me. They would say things like, you know, you're fat. <laughs> no man would want you like that. You know, work on that. And like, I knew what they were saying, but it hurt. And I actually didn't think that it actually did anything. I'm like, oh, I don't believe that in my head. But my heart did believe it. And I felt broken. Um, when I was 19, my parents were like, you know what? I think you should go on your own. You know, you don't listen. So I went on my own. I'm like, OK, cool, I'm out. <laughs> I met a Guyanese man, and he was fun. And he would come by my house, and we would chill. He would come after work, and he would cook and clean. And I thought that was cute, but it was like a red flag at that point, right? Like now looking back, I'm like, red flag, why are you here? <laughs> My dog, Ziggy, who I love to death, bit this man's lip in half. Red flag. But he didn't sue me, so I'm like, oh, you're sweet. Okay, come. fine. We could be friends. One night he comes and he's like knocking on the door to come in. And I go to open the door, and the door's not opening. It takes me 20 minutes. This door's not opening. So now I'm scared. I'm like, there's a ghost in here. I don't know. So this man comes through the window and comes in the house. After that day, I had to leave this place because I was just like, I can't. And he's like, come live with me. And my parents didn't offer me to come back, so I was like, OK. I guess I'm coming with you. Um, that's when things got bad. He became very controlling. He wouldn't let me look a man in the eye. Nobody could talk to me. Friends from school, nothing. If I didn't pick up my calls, if I didn't come home on time, this man would burn my clothing with fire. He would cut my clothing. He would break my stuff, and he would hit me. He was very verbally abusive. He ruined every holiday. He did not, um, I didn't leave because I was used to this. You know, like my parents would beat me and then they would love on me. So this was just life. One day he's coming to fight me and he's like, 
I start praying. I'm like, don't let him in this room. God, please don't let this man in this room. And I'm staying focused and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. He can't get in the room. So for a second, I break my thought. And then, of course, the door opens. But I knew in that moment, I should have kept praying. So I say this to say to you, if something miraculous is happening to you, don't break the thought. Keep going. What made me leave was my daughter. She was uh, going to be going to school soon, and I didn't want her to have to like go to school and have to like deal with what I dealt with at home. So he comes in one day, and he's like, tell me Jesus isn't real. But he's saying this drunk. He's cussing it out. He's saying vile things about my good Lord. So I knew it was go time. I'm like, okay, this is a spirit. This is demonic, and I can't deny Jesus right now. Like, this is just what's happening. So we fought that night. But after that, I realized I have to cut. This is not for me. I have to defend the Lord. And I, I, I can't be beat for this. This is wild. So I shortly left after that. My daughter is starting to go to school, and I'm working. Something's like, you know what? Stop here. Go apply at Target. And I had a job. I don't just stop a job and go apply somewhere. But I'm like, okay, I want to sell phones. I'm a seller. I go, I go to Target. I meet this man. Boop, boop. My husband to this day. And, and um, he is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just shopping. My daughter's going to school. And he's like, what school? And I tell him. And he's like, what grade? And I tell him. And he's like, oh, my mom teaches there. Is his t mom my daughter's first teacher? She got to meet me on her own accord with my daughter without having to be involved with my man, and she got to know me personally. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, she could have been like, who is this girl with a kid? So she got to know me personally, and then, um, yeah, so we just, like, it was just like, okay, this is little signs, you know? He tells me I'm adopted. I prayed specifically those nights for a person who was adopted because I knew I needed someone who could love my daughter like his own because I can't be with a man. After this, it's like I'm alone or someone's coming in to help out. Um, yeah, right? Um, let me just see. Um, so this man checked every box, David. He was patient. He was kind. Um, he just... Was everything this man, my other, like, you know, man, I guess. <laughs> Sounds so bad, but okay, you know. Um, it was everything he was not, you know. And, and I just said to myself, like, David's love was so much that I, I said to myself, this is a fraction of what, like, God laid that on my heart. This is how much I love you, but tenfold. So through David's love, I saw God's love, if that made sense. A passage that um, always set with me well was Psalms 27.10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. This meant everything to me. When I got married, for some reason, my dad didn't walk beside me down the aisle. He walked ahead of me with my daughter. And I sat back on this, and I was just annoyed. Like, you know the job. We all know what a wedding <laughs> You know what you do. Why are you ahead? But okay. So I'm crying on this days later, right? I mean, you know, you sit there, you're like, why? Why do you do these things? 
I'm crying, and the good Lord said to me in my heart, he said he had to walk before you so I could walk beside you. So I want you to know God is with you all the time because prayers that I've been praying since a child he has brought through this man for me, and it checks it. I'm like, oh, my God, I was grade 9. Oh, my gosh, I was grade 8 when I thought those things. How are you doing this? Um, so God was listening, and I'm not an exception. So just know if you're in a domestic violence, and if you've ever sat there saying my parents did it, my great-grandparents did it, and this is what we do, get out. There is freedom. Okay, so... That's all I have to say. Thank you so much. Good morning, Serve City family. Those in the house and online. A little nervous, just a little. <laughs> But what a privilege and an honor it is to be with you this morning, sharing what's in my heart. May you be encouraged. And as we sit and as we listen, with all the matters concerning our heart, may we trust him more. And if we struggle with trusting him this morning, may we ask for grace. To trust him more. Amen. My journey at Surf City started in June of 2021. At the time, I was not looking for a church. It was COVID. We were in lockdown and I was good. There was a lot of online church experiences and I had done church all my life. So hashtag, it was an experience. Amen. But the truth is, I was looking for a place to call home. I was looking for a place to dwell, a place where I can gather and sit at a table and break bread, a place where I can be still and I can hear, a place where a soul can be restored. You see, the journey that I was on had taken me in some really dark valleys and I needed to find my way home. In the book of Matthew 9:36, talking about the heart of Jesus, our good shepherd, the Bible says, but when he saw the multitude, when he saw our brokenness, when he saw us sitting in shame, guilty. The Bible said that he was moved with compassion for the multitude because they were weary and they were scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was moved. Life had happened to me. It had left me defeated and discouraged and desperate. How many of us are afraid of that word desperate? 
But Jesus was moved with compassion. Now, I am a survivor. I have survived sexual and physical abuse from the age of five until 12. I had survived words of death spoken over my life. I had survived the emotional trauma of five miscarriages, the last one being an atopic. I am a survivor. I had survived all kinds of emotional entanglements. I had survived suicide attempts. But what I was in need of more than anything was a move. In February of 2020, I wasn't feeling well, so I decided to visit the doctor. And three days later, I was sent to the hospital. And while I was at the hospital, they repeated all the tests. And eight hours later, I was sitting with the oncology team. Mrs. Wade, you have cancer. Jesus, I need a move. The doctor said, you are in the early stages, but we have to move fast. We started the treatment, but the process had taken a, a toll on my mind, and the snowball effects of all the storms I had survived were becoming so powerful, I knew that I was not going to survive. My house was turned upside down. I was pending a divorce, and every devil and his aid was on assignment to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It was Sunday morning, uh, and I was looking on, online, you know, the regular YouTube search, and there was Surf City. Now, a little side note. I had seen Surf City on Facebook, and Pastor Andrew likes to jump, and I was a little concerned. <laughs> Just a little. But the truth of the matter is, is that I didn't know his whole story. I was just caught up with what my eyes can see. How many times we are caught up with what our eyes can see without knowing the story. Back to June 2021, the worship was off the chain. I was hooked for the moment. COVID was ended. They made an announcement that there are tickets available. I booked those tickets like it was the last supper. I was going to church. It really felt like I was going home. The truth is, I was really struggling both mentally and spiritually. But I just decided I'm heading home. I sat here for six months, barely making it to church. I'd come and sit in the front, lift my hands real high and sing the loudest, struggling. But I decided every single Sunday morning, I was going to get into the house of the Lord and lift my hands, even if that was the last Sunday that I lifted my hands. June 2022, Pastor Andrew gave a word about marriages. I tried really hard to forget that word, so I can't tell you exactly what it was because I was not interested. 
I was heading for a divorce, and I was looking forward to my new life. As I left the building, oh, actually, what I did, I was in agreement with Pastor Andrew when he was praying. I said, Lord, bless them marriages, them people. Bring hope, life, restoration, renewal, all them things. Bring it. Amen? Amen. So I got in my car, and I'm like, ooh, what a good service. Yes, Lord. And as I was reversing out the Lord said um I was talking to you I was like what do you mean you talking to me he said I want you to stay he said I want to bless you he said I want you to trust me he said I want to move in your life he said I want you to know that the devil has been seeking you since you were a little girl and he's been after you, but I am working on your behalf. You are chosen. You are mine. I am calling you, and I don't call the qualify. I qualify the call. He says, I'm calling you to do a work. You're going to be doing it on my behalf. Who can bring a charge against God's chosen? Who? Tell the who that I am the one that justifies. I am the one that restores. I am the one that brings hope again. And so the Lord started working on my behalf. He says, I'm going to restore the broken places in your life. I'm going to regulate your mind. How many of us in this season needs a mind regulation? He is in that business. He says, I, your children are going to rise up and call you anxious. Be, call you blessed. Be anxious for nothing. He said, tell the people, I am here. I am moved with compassion. Come home. Today... My cancer numbers are decreasing. God is working on my behalf. My husband, whom I love. He is working on our behalf. The God that we serve is a good God and for every one of you that feel unqualified you are actually qualified because he calls the unqualified to make them qualify come home good afternoon surf city good afternoon surf city God is good all the time God is good and all the time thank you thank you thank you Wow 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 never in my life would I have said been able to say that I would be standing here right now before you guys I am a living breathing walking talking testimony of good of God's goodness Graceness, grace, greatness and mercy in my life. 
I don't know how I made it here, but I know it was by the grace of God. I'm here by the grace of God. I'm standing by the grace of God. I could have been dead, buried in my grave, but I'm alive today to tell that God is good all the time. Woo! I want to thank Pastor, a, Pastor Chantel and Pastor Andrew for allowing me to come up here today and give my testimony. What many of you don't know is the last time I was anywhere near this stage, pulpit, podium, whatever you want to call it, I was dancing about right here. And what many of you don't know that that victory dance, that was my victory dance in advance, right? At that time, I was going through a lot with my wife in regards to giving birth to our second child. So let me bring you guys back. January 1st, 2018, I proposed to the beautiful, most beautiful woman in the world, <laughs> Nicola Samuels. And everything was great, you know. September 28th, made the best decision of my life, was marrying the most beautiful girl in the world, <laughs> right? And um, yeah, so we had, everything was going great, started business together, everything was smooth, man. And then January 30th, 2020, we brought into the world our first baby girl, Melody Samuels, right? And in that season, like I said, everything was going good. God was good. He was being glorified in our lives. And there was nothing that we could really ask for. Everything was just going perfect. And then there came a point in our life where we wanted to multiply, right? Get married, multiply the family, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so we said, all right, let's go. We are ready. Put that work in. Let's go. And um, for the first time, we experienced a miscarriage. And I'm, this is actually my first time speaking on this publicly, so bear with me. Um, and in that time of grief, it didn't really hit me. I just knew that there was an emptiness. Like it felt like someone had died, which someone did die, but um, it felt empty. And I didn't really go to God in that season. It was more like the doctors were saying, you know, you just had a baby, everything is good. Like it happens, right? So instead of going to God with it, instead of getting on our knees and praying, we we're just like, all right, we're in the works of man. Like man said, it's all right, it's all right, right? Um, we had a bit of an empty feeling, but we trusted in the doctor. Right, and so we ended up trying again for another baby, and um, woo, that's when it, it 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 got real. So, what's funny is I remember my cousin Sean and Leah. You guys know their testimony. Um, so they had experienced a miscarriage, and um, I was there with them through that whole entire process. Sean came to my house one day to surprise me, and he was like, "Yo, Dean, yo, look at my phone." I was like, "Ah, ah." So. <laughs> So I got his phone, and I'm like, yo, fam, it was an ultrasound of baby Ava, who's sitting right there, three months, baby Ava. And me and Nikki were like, oh, snap, like, yo, we're going crazy. And then we're upstairs, and I remember Nikki going downstairs. And I was like, okay, all right, maybe, she, I don't know, she's chilling. Then she called me, and I was like, all right, so why is she calling me? Then she said, come downstairs. I was like, yo, fam, like, <laughs> fam, like, yo, like, what could be more important than this right now? When I got downstairs, I realized that we were experiencing the first part of our second miscarriage, right? And, and it's funny because even in the midst of death, there is still life, 
right? Like, so we were going, although my spirit was rejoicing and I was happy, but my world had turned upside down because I was just like, God, we can't be going through this again, right? So um, I, I, remember, I remember coming a couple, week, a couple days later, um, we went to the hospital and we found out, in fact, that we had lost our second baby, right? And it leads me to a story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 37, and it talks about the Shunammite woman. So there was this woman in the Bible, and every time the prophet Elijah would come into town, she would prepare a meal for him. And one day, I got I to gotta, I gotta go fast through the story, guys, so bear with me. So one day, as she, she's talking to her husband, she's like, man, that guy is a man of God. Like, he's a man of God, so let us prepare a room for him. And in that room, let's put a bed, let's put a table, let's put a lamp. So every time he comes through, he has a place to stay, right? So one day, he, he comes through, and um, she, he gets food, all that good stuff. I don't know, what, like five-course meal maybe, right? <laughs> and, then, and then as he's about to leave, he's like, man, this, this girl, this woman is, is good to us. Is there anything that we can do for her? And she's like, man, fam, I'm good. Like, I got, I got everything. I got the wealth. I got the riches, all that stuff. And his servant was with him, and she's, he said, she's barren. Her husband is old, and she does not have a son. Elisha looks at her and then says, this time next year, you will have a son. She's like, hold up, wait a minute, let me put some pimping in it, right? Don't play with me because I have everything I want already, and this is the one thing that I do not have. If you promise me this and I don't get it, like, this, is the, this, this will be her empty. She was empty without this, right? So the Bible flash forwards a year later. She has that son, right? And, and what, what's so significant about that story is we can never force the hand of God or make him move in our lives. But what we can do is make room for him to move in our lives. We do this by offering him our everything while keeping a committed and healthy relationship with him, right? Sometimes we forget that having a relationship with God is like having a relationship with your spouse, with your, with your friend, with your, with, your, with your family members. As long as you put in the work, you do, the, you do your part, God will do the rest. The relationship will grow deeper and deeper. Everything we put above or before God will then become an idol, right? So it is very important that we make room for God to move in our lives because when we make room for him, we allow him to enter in and by doing so, we allow his blessings to then fall on us, right? So it's, although we may never predict the move of God or when he may force his blessings to fall on us, right? Um, it's his, the Bible says his, his movement is, of his spirit is mysterious and just like the wind, we may not always know where it's coming from, but what we can do is put up our sail, which is make room for God, and by doing that, we allow his fresh wind to blow and when he releases it, we are able to catch it, right? So fast forward, fast forward now. I remember, so we, I picked Nikki up from the hospital. She's going crazy, right? We're crying in the car and all we could say was, God, you give and you take away. Like, that was my prayer. In the midst of my pain, I said, God, you give and you take away. Because deep in my heart, I knew that God was God, and he always would be God. Nothing could change the fact that he was God and is God. So in that situation, I decided to give it all to him, right? And, and it's funny, just like um, my favorite Bible character is, is Job. I'll elaborate on his story quick. Job was a man after, uh, that, that had wealthy, he was wealthy, he was rich. God, uh, the devil goes to God on Job's behalf and basically says, man, God, of course he's going to serve you, man. Like, yo, he got this, he got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z, right? Who wouldn't serve you with all of that stuff, right? So long story short, Job loses almost everything, right? He falls down and prays to God and says, God, you give and take away. Long story short, but, uh, the story goes on to say that God had blessed him with double. Even though Job's wife said, curse God and die, he decided to stand firm in, uh, in, in his decision. And what was funny, uh, I saw Pastor Chantel post a post the other day, and she said, 
what the devil didn't know is that Job's everything was not in his wealth, was not in his assets, was not in his land. Job's everything was actually God, right? So the devil thought that he put his everything into all those other things when he decided to put it into God, right? And that leads me to say a couple weeks later, we went for a checkup, right? So now we get, now we get pregnant for the third time. And throughout the whole, the whole pregnancy, it's, it's rocky. It's rocky. And I'm like, God, like, please just bring us through this one season. I'm coming to church praising, coming to church worshiping. Nobody knows anything that's going on. And we go to the doctor for a checkup, and the doctor said there's no heartbeat. And we're about, like, 10 weeks pregnant. And I'm just like, God, like, there's no way... Like this could be happening for the third time in a row. So I remember coming to church that Sunday, and that brings me to the infamous dance. You guys might see it on social media, right? So I remember pastor calls me out on that Sunday, and I, I begin to dance. And while I'm dancing, I'm saying, God, I declare that I will be victorious. We will be victorious in this season, right? Like, although I couldn't see it, I chose right then and there to believe it, right? And um, we had an ultrasound on the Monday, so I left it all on the altar on the Sunday. And when we went on the Monday, we went into the... Well, I couldn't go because of COVID. Uh, we went into the... Nikki went to the, uh, the doctor, and did you know that baby girl was in there rolling, tumbling, heartbeat was beating, everything was going, everything was good. Everything was good. And then a couple months later, our baby girl, Harmony, was birthed, and we brought her into the world. Right? So I say this to say, if you had one last dance, how would you dance knowing that on the other side of that praise would be your breakthrough, would be your miracle? I don't know who needs to hear this. It may not be a baby for you, but it may not be a baby, but there is no addiction, no sickness, or anything too big for God to heal. There is no life or heart that is too broken for God to mend. There is no sin for him to forgive. There is no relationship or marriage too damaged for God to restore. There is nothing too great for my God, right? Let me go back a little bit now. So right now, I didn't want to speak about this, but I am led to speak about this. I'm currently in a situation where we've lost almost everything. Like, we've had everything stolen from us, right? Um, so the day Harmony was born, we get devastating news, man. Like, man, devil. He, he wiped everything that me and my wife had built, like, took everything away and I don't know who needs to hear this but even though everything is gone like even though it may seem like yo, 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 your best days will not come I'm here to tell you that God will restore you so God will use the very thing the devil thought would destroy you to restore you I repeat that God will use the very thing the devil thought would destroy you to restore you. The devil's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy the very purpose that God has on your life. He says you're not good enough. He says you're not pretty enough. He says you're not worthy enough to be loved. The devil thought you, he, the devil thought you would lay down and die, right? But I'm here today to speak life into every dead situation, into every dry bone, into everything that the devil thought would stay dead. But God, I'm here to speak that you will rise above it. You will rise and stand tall in purpose, on purpose. The mere fact that you are here today, this morning, still standing, still still praising, still worshiping, still anticipating is a fact that God is still here. God is not through with you yet. Keep on praising, keep on anticipating, keep believing. 
Keep trusting because on the other side of all of that will be your victory. So my question to everyone in here today is, can God make a bet with the devil on your behalf, giving him access to do as he pleases? But trusting that in the end of it all, you will still serve him. You will still love him. You will still trust him. You see, like, I feel like everything is gone. But I know and I believe that God will bring me through it. I have family. I have church. The devil thought he won. But I will not quit. I will live and I will declare the goodness of God. Because the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. And at the end of the day, God is still God. He's God yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, and I praise you in advance for the victory that will come. I may not see it, but God, I choose to believe it. I may not see it, but God, I choose to believe it, and I receive it. And I pray that every single person in here that may not see it, that God gives you the strength to receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you. Stretch your hand to Dean right now. Nikki, come here too. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, I want you to just, with all the faith that you can muster, glory to God, he got out here and poured and declared in the midst of what he's going through. If he's, if he's, he declared and said, you've given, you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And so right now, we just declare over Nikki and Dean from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. If he did it before... Somebody ought to praise him. And that's a word for you out there. This house ought to erupt in praise in this place today. Somebody shout it, say, if he did it before, he can do it again. Now you ought to say, I received that over my life too. Come on. Now all over this place, go ahead and clap those hands. And somebody open your mouth online and give him a shout. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. We agree. And we look forward to the testimony. And we look forward. Come on, can we give the Lord praise for what he's done on this Ascension Sunday? Come on, anybody know that Jesus is high and lifted up above the earth and above every problem that you and I could ever face today? Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord in this moment. I am so grateful. And listen, uh, yes, as always, we are going to end around the Lord's table. However, before we head to the Lord's table, I would be remiss. Anybody grateful you came to church today? Listen, man, I'm telling you, I said it all the time. I'm going to say this one last time. We waste hours on Netflix watching stuff that's not going to benefit us at all. And so in this moment, I'm grateful I get to be in the house of God and be inspired to trust the Lord and remember that he has ascended above all things. And so 
we would be remiss if we don't compel and invite somebody today to trust the risen Savior to give your life to him it's cute what they share about what God has done in their lives but God wants to do a work in your life as well so no matter what you have going on in your life today I want to call you to put your trust and your faith in Jesus as you heard he loves you so much that he died for your sins and that he rose from death with all power in his hand and now he has ascended victoriously to heaven to take a seat because it's completely done and today he offers and extends this love to you no matter what you've done no matter what anyone has said about you you heard even when people have said negative things that people have been able to rise above and beyond this and experience the love that Christ has for them and so today if you're feeling compelled and you're like today is my day man I'm tired of running I'm tired of all this I need Jesus his love is here and he is here for you today and so with this in mind you're saying how do I give my life to Christ well the Bible makes it clear and sums it up in three things it says to repent everybody say repent believe and be baptized repent meaning to change your heart your mind and in response to the grace that God and the love that God is showing you and you turn turn it means to turn from serving yourself and you're going your own path and then you put your faith in Jesus and say God I want you Jesus I believe you died I believe you rose from death I want you to be the Lord and the boss of my life and then in a few weeks uh, you will have the opportunity we baptize you and we dip you in water showing that you have left your whole life behind and unifying you with Christ's death and then we bring you up out of the water. It's a great celebration. Unifying you with Christ's resurrection from death. And so repent, believe, and be baptized. I call you to do so if you've never done so. Or even if you've made a profession of faith but you've never been baptized. You need to be baptized. The Bible says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But beyond this. It might be someone who's saying, I've already been baptized and I need to come back home. I've run away from the Lord, the cares of life, the things that have happened as you've been hearing. We, you know, I, I've, I've got separated. I've run from God, Christ. And today I feel the call like Lynn shared to come back home. I'm here to tell you, no matter what you've done, you can come back home today and even... If you've already been baptized, no, you don't have to be rebaptized. You can repent, and there's room at the table, as we say every week, for you.